Hey there, listeners! Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin. I'm on the phone with Brian, and this week we're talking about the 2024 film Night Swim, written and directed by Bryce McGuire and starring Wyatt Russell and Carrie Condon. In this film, a family moves into a house that has a swing pool with a haunted past. If you are new to our show, the top of the episode is going to be spoiler-free. We'll just talk about the background of the film. Then we'll take a quick break, you'll hear some music, and then we'll jump into the plot, hit the spoilers, and review the film. Brian, this is the first 2024 horror film. Uh, are you excited to be back in theaters? Um, yeah, a little excited to get back in the swing of things, but not particularly excited because I did not have high hopes for this movie because January is typically a bit of a dump month for horror especially, but other genres as well. And Blumhouse has just been kind of stinking it up lately. (laughs) (laughs) They're making really underwhelming movies. Yeah, I think the trend with Blumhouse last year was like, over promote and like uh, try to build this hype, and then you come in with these unrealistic expectations. Night Swim, I, I kind of feel like they might have done the opposite. It's a time of year where you're right, movies aren't supposed to be that great. And I, I don't feel like they went overboard on on like promotion for this one, did they? Yeah, the promotion did not, they didn't go that hard with it. I mean, there were previews that were fairly frequent depending on what you were watching, but it was no Megan, which came out at a similar time last year. And Oh, yeah. And did about twice as much money on its opening weekend. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I think underpromoted, rough time of year. Atomic Monster co-produced, which they haven't been really shooting the lights out either. Yeah. Uh, they Those two have been working uh, together quite a bit, right? Like The Nun, I think, was a joint venture between those two. Is that right? Or was that just Atomic Monster? Good question. There was one last year that was like one of the top five horror at box office that they worked on together it it may have been the nun yeah okay yeah i I feel like i see those two studios collaborating pretty often on big projects yeah boy i can't remember which film it was but this is now they are no longer two studios this is the first film following their merger which happened on january 2nd 2024 oh wow no kidding so yeah, now, now everything's going to be Blumhouse and uh, Atomic Monster. Yeah, and they, you know, Universal's kind of in on the distribution side of things as well. So, damn. I don't. I'm trying to think about what this means, and I kind of wanted to dig into some articles. What are the implications? And I think Atomic Monster can really utilize some of the bigger, uh, like achieve some economies of scale with Blumhouse's infrastructure, but mm-hmm. I honestly feel like it's not going to change things that much. It's just more of the same because they're already, I mean, really Atomic Monster will probably put out more. Oh. I guess. They, they the- seem, it seems like outside of the Conjuring universe, they don't put out that many movies. Sure, sure. So we're going to see an uptake in volume here. Yeah, and I, just, yeah. I guess I just feel like maybe there'll be more, more of the Megans and the Five Nights of, of Freddy's in the world, but I'm hoping... Just eventually, there will be some new ideas, and they'll find their way back to creative films. And mm-hmm. it just feels like the past year or two, everything they're making has a similar feel from uh, kind of from both of the studios. So I don't sure. know. 
Yeah, it seems like a natural combination to me. And uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know if I can tell the big difference in the last year or two between a, an Atomic Monster film or a Blumhouse film. Like, I feel like creatively they've kind of aligned. Sure, right. Yeah, agreed. And, yeah. And, and then going into this year, I mean, I think uh, these guys being the first one to put a horror film like out in theaters, it's just uh, like, w- what's it going to look like this year? You think we're going to see the same volume or more from Blumhouse? Uh, I feel like they dominated in the last year or two. Yeah, I mean, it might take a little while for this merger to even like see ripple effects at the theater just because of the time it takes to, to get movies up and running. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's another Blumhouse heavy year at the box yeah. office. So always interesting just to have the clean slate on the year and wonder what we're going to be talking about a year from now of how the year shook out and right. what kind of horror succeeded financially, what kind of horror succeeded critically. Right. Yeah, I know. And uh, it is surprising that this one, for a Blumhouse film, uh, didn't blow it out of the water, uh, which kind of ties to the name. But uh, yeah, budget of $15 million, opening weekend only brought in $17.7 million. Um, what do you think? Is this going to be a failure at the end of the day? I think it's a really good question. It's not a horrible opening weekend, but I think considering the fact that It's gotten bad reviews. It doesn't have a whole lot of buzz on social media. I feel like it may not end up having legs, as they say. And I'm no box office analyst, so I don't really know totally what I'm talking about, but I could see it not quite hitting the, uh, they say, two and a half to three times its budget to uh, Mm -hmm. make a profit. I could see it not achieving that. No one's really telling their friends to go see this movie. <laughs> I know. I know, yeah. 25% Rotten Tomatoes, 44% user score, uh, which, you know, so people are, some people are, are a little bit more favorable on it. But yeah, I don't, I don't hear much of a buzz or hype going on. Uh, it seems like, I don't know, to, to me it seems like more just like this time of year, people are kind of like still recovering from last year. You're getting to like Oscar season. No one's like uh, keeping an eye on new releases that much anymore. So I, I think this one, to your point, will like, yeah, just kind of slide under the radar and not have much of a bump. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where it ends up. Yeah, yep. Uh, this film is based on a short film, a five, well, actually, actually it was like three or four minutes, actually, from 2014. Did you end up going back and watching it? I did watch that. Did you check it out? Yeah, yeah, it's was, it was kind of a fun a little plot. It's cool to see from that, like, they made this whole movie, but uh, yeah, there's not much to it, right? No, there's not much to it at all, and I I think maybe it's more effective than the film. Oh, yeah, that kind of short play format, yeah. Yeah. Oh, going back to something you said in the beginning, coming into this with uh, lower expectations versus like all the Blumhouse films from last year where, where you get people, I think, came with high expectations. Uh, do you think that impacted your viewing experience? Like you started from a low point and you only had like one way to go? Usually, yeah. Usually, it ends up impacting for the positive. I try to go to, into everything with either low expectations or tempered expectations that I'm like trying to shove back down. Like, oh yeah. When I go into Maxine, I will be trying to like shove my <laughs> expectations back down. Yeah, yeah. So just I, like... I don't think it really affected my viewing experience. It's how I approach most movies that aren't by some director I'm familiar with. Okay, gotcha. Uh, I remember seeing a trailer for this. I don't know, it must have been like November or December for some other movie uh, that we were watching. And the trailer just looks so dumb. It was just like, I think it was just like them playing Marco Polo or something. And 
the pool and uh yeah it just really like uh, knocked out any expectation i would ever have of this being a a decent movie it just looked like so thin so yeah for me i think that that has a big impact because you're going into it with like very low expectations and then like anything they add on to it is kind of like a surprise Um, a bonus yeah yeah I thought the same thing just from like hearing the previews in the theaters. Oh. <laughs> it's it just like, okay, that seems pretty thin, but I'm sure it's got something else to it. Yeah, right, right. And and that's kind of the vibe I got watching the short film too. It's just like a very quick, like one scare thing. And then, yeah, they've really built onto that, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, this guy's first feature film, Bryce McGuire's. Um, are you familiar with the cast here? Uh, Wyatt Russell a little bit. He was in that Black Mirror episode called Playtest. Oh, uh, that was, was a in, great one. That was great. It's yeah. Sc- really scary. Yeah, he's like in like a haunted house, right? Yeah, one. like a kind of a virtual reality haunted house. Right, right. He was an overlord a few years back. Oh, yeah. Bad guy? Um, Good guy. He was like on the good guy team, but like kind of a dick. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. He's got that face. Yeah, daughter of... uh. Kurt Russell and uh, oh, what's his wife name? Wife's name? Uh, Hudson. Yeah, it's Kate Hudson's mom. It's not oh. Goldie Hawn, is it? Um, it might be. That sounds right. So, are are White Russell and Kate Hudson siblings? I good question. Holy shit, <laughs> we might have to edit all this out. <laughs> do we need to do a quick Google? Yeah. <laughs> this, sounds, this sounds important. <laughs> yeah, it sounds important to get it right. Yeah. Uh, oh, he's an ice hockey player. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Kate Hudson is his sister. Wow. Cool. And, and go- yeah, Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell, I was right. Wow, yeah, good call. All right. All right. So we yeah. can edit it out or we can keep in my Googling, whatever you <laughs> choose to do. Edit Sounds it. good. I, th- I think that was a good discovery. I've, I've always kind of wondered what all the lines were that connect all these people together. So thanks for clarifying that. Sure. Uh, good to know the family tree there. But yeah, I, I was familiar with him. Not so much Carrie Condon, though, but I, uh, she's, I think, an Irish actress. Yeah, Oscar nominated for her supporting role in the recent The Banshees of Isherin. Or maybe oh, it's not cool. so recent anymore, but yeah. I still got to see that. Have you seen it? No, I still haven't either. Yeah, that's supposed to be an amazing film. Um, one thing that I think this film brings back is this idea of a, f- a movie or like a, a horror being based on like an inanimate object, uh, almost kind of like a haunted house film, but um, more like you know I think like with the Christines or like a, like a car that's like haunted, and this one it's like a swimming pool that's like kind of haunted and stuff. I feel like it's been a while since we've seen movies about like inanimate haunted objects. Wow, I. I did not see that coming, that you would make the connection to it being about an inanimate object. Right? Isn't isn't hmm. that isn't the pool the bad guy in this? The pool is the bad guy, but I think of it more of a place than an object. But you, it's interesting to bring up Christine. Like, Christine, like, inside a car is kind of a place as well. Yeah, but yeah, I definitely think of it as a haunted house kind of yeah. re- relocated just to the backyard. <laughs> and backyard I, actually, that was like one of my questions for you. Like, can a, a simple change to a like well-trodden trope, mm-hmm. can that put a new spin on it and make it feel new again? Oh, and yeah. I think Christine is probably a good example of that. Like, it's it's kind of a haunted item, but it's a pretty big item, and you can like go inside <laughs> of it, so it's kind of like a haunted house. Yeah, both come uh, with loans, usually. A car and a uh, house. 
And a pool. Oh, yeah. Pools come with loans too, right? Yeah. 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 That's true. <laughs> take out a, a loan to put that in yeah i yeah i think the, the, these all have something in common they're they're places that can be possessed or haunted and wreak havoc on uh, the people who uh, frequent those places it's its own subgenre a haunted thing you needed a loan to buy yeah exactly the loan is really the haunting genre. haunted braces for your kid <laughs> exactly <laughs> school loans <laughs> i have no idea how how much braces are uh, i imagine they're pretty expensive uh, yeah, so I, I yeah, do, do you then like bucket this with like a haunted house film, like genre wise? I do. Basically, I think of it as a, a haunted house film. Just, yeah, it's not the house, it's the pool in the backyard. Yeah, I agree. It, I, it's it hits all the uh, it hits a lot of the tropes, you know? Yeah, do you think we've had a lull though in like haunted place movies in like the last year or two, or do, do you still think that's like a big genre? it doesn't feel like it because. The James one is just kind of making variations of haunted house movies, but a specific like this house is haunted type movie. Yeah, it does feel like it's been a little while. Yeah, I'm not sure if I saw any like that in 2023. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think back. I know like Deadstream in 2022 had that. Yes, that is uh, a haunted house. Yeah, but uh, yeah, thinking back through like our top ten, oh, there's like stuff. Hell House Origins that came out last year. I still haven't oh. seen that, but okay. I'm That's sure there's like, I'm sure there's probably many examples we just can't think of any right now. Yeah, yeah, no, for some reason it feels like it's been a long time since I've seen a a, a really house big film. prominent one at the box office does feel like it's been a, you know a year or two. You yeah. you get the nun too, but it's not quite a haunted house. Yeah, I don't yeah, it, I don't I don't is that like Those haunted? have gone from like blend the blending of super or uh like hauntings and and demonic entities have kind of merged together in yeah, that, exactly. that world. Exactly. Same with like the last Insidious last year. I think that was more about the right. demonic entity or something or that. Yeah. Travel. Yeah. So it, yeah, it's kind of kind of refreshing to. Uh, yeah, kind of. It feels kind of retro to be going back to the theater and watching something about a haunted place. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think this film also captures on what I think is universal fear of being in the water. Uh, what do you, What do you think? I, I think you share this fear, right? I am afraid of the water to an extent. So. Yeah, I, I think that it uh it had the potential to harness that fear. <laughs> <laughs> That's putting it very kindly. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, I try to think of like how many movies like I, I don't know if Jaws like uh, if that's uh, an element of Jaws or not or if that's just more a monster movie. Oh, for uh, sure. Oh, I think it's definitely an element of Jaws. Being in the water, yeah. Yeah. Um other movies like uh, about pools or like I don't know would you put like Lake Placid or what was the one about like all those crocodiles crawl and stuff crawl That's... yeah anaconda buddy yeah all, um, all those movies usually have like a monster though in the water right yeah I I think that we need to take on some of the aquatic horror movies like isn't there like the shallows and um, yeah oh there's is it like something feet under or something like that why can't oh. I think of this movie. Six Feet Under, the TV show? That's a TV show. <laughs> uh, there's something about like the depth of the water in the title, and I think there's yeah. two of them. Oh, okay. But do all those films usually have a monster versus this one's like straight up just the water? I don't know. I'm, I'm under... I need to see more of those movies. But I think usually okay. there's a monster. But yeah. in here there is, too. It's not necessarily just the monster, the water. True. That's true. Yeah, it isn't just water attacking people. That makes sense. Um, okay, cool. Well, any other background uh that you want to mention mark corvin did the score who did the witch and the lighthouse 
and oh, he invented nice. that uh, machine he called the apprehension engine, which was like a custom-made instrument for making unsettling sounds. That's for the lighthouse, right? He, he made it for the witch, I think. Oh, he did? Oh, okay, that's really cool. And our boy Colin Stetson had a song in the film. He no didn't way. score the movie, but he had a, a track that played. Oh, that's really cool. We were just yeah. talking about like wondering where he went last year. Yeah. That, that's cool to see him resurface up here. Yeah, here he is. Yep. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything else. I think let's just get down to business. Let's oh, see you it. know what? I want to shout out some new patrons. So All thank right. you to Karen C., Bryce S., Sebastian, Brooke, Reagan, Amelia A., Cody B., and Jessica S. Thank you so much for supporting the show. We appreciate all of you. And if you're a new Patreon member and you haven't heard your name right here as a new member, we recorded out of order this month, so maybe you're getting a shout-out in an upcoming episode. So keep your ears open. Thanks for your support, everyone. Yeah, appreciate it. And uh, Ohio Connection time? Let's do it. All right. Our Ohio connection always comes from our friend Alex, who owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio. If you're near Cleveland, you got to swing by at Jukebox. It's a great, wonderful bar and restaurant. And Alex connects every movie to our home state of Ohio, and he says, Night Swim is a supernatural horror film written and directed by Bryce McGuire, based on a 2014 short film of the same name about a family whose backyard swimming pool is haunted. When McGuire wrote and directed the five-minute short film with his friend Rob Blackhurst, he filmed in the backyard of musician Michelle Branch. Many will know Branch for her pop singles Everywhere and All You Wanted, as well as her collaborative collaborative mega-hit The Game of Love with rock legend Santana. Michelle Branch is married to fellow musician Patrick Carney of the blues rock duo The Black Keys, who famously hail from Akron, Ohio. Wow, I didn't know those two were together. How That's about crazy. that? I think yeah. I knew that at one point and totally forgot. So yeah. this is one of my favorite Ohio connections. That's awesome. Of recent yeah. memory. It's a great connection. That's a great one. Michelle Branch and the Black Keys together. That's great. Yeah, I'm I'm amazed they haven't done a joint album yet. I feel like there's a potential there. Oh, that, yeah, they could make some cool music together. Yeah, Black Keys are still making music, aren't they? I'm sure they are. Okay. Actually, I'm not sure, but I would guess. <laughs> I, <laughs> I really so. was a u- huge fan of the Black Keys, but I kind of fell off after a yeah. while. Yeah. Did you ever see them live? Yeah, a few times. Okay. Uh, really cool shows. There was this one time they played at this tiny venue called the Lime Spider in Akron that no longer exists, and it was a free show. Oh, awesome. And I was like, oh, man, this thing's going to be swamped. I got there like two hours early and sat by myself on a stoop <laughs> for basically an hour and 55 minutes yeah. until people started showing up. But it was just an awesome, you know when you go to a show and it's like a big show but in a tiny venue, like their oh, energy yeah. just feels bigger than the space. Sure, sure. It was very much like that. It was just it was so cool. And there oh, was man. this moment where Pat Carney was playing like his cymbals so hard that they were like starting to tip over. <laughs> Yeah. And Dan, the guitarist, was just positioning himself in a way that he could catch it with his foot every time that part of the song came and oh my like kick it back into place by the time Pat was needing to hit it again. It was oh just like... God. That's awesome. It, it goes down in history in my mind. It's one of my favorite shows. Damn, that's so cool. Yeah, I always regret never uh, seeing those guys. Uh, so so cool. Like a two, two-person rock band. Awesome yeah. to see. Yeah. I love a two-person band that can really uh, fill the soundscape. Yeah. Yeah, same. Awesome. Well, good good walk down memory lane there with the Black Keys. Good connection. Thanks, Alex. Yeah, thank you, Alex. Uh, all right. Ready to jump into the plot and uh, spoil the film and get into a review? Ready. Let's do it. 
All right. Hey, before we do, though, uh, I got this job interview tomorrow. You mind if we take a quick break? I, I just want to prep for it. Oh, yeah, sure. All right. Thanks, man. I'll be right back. Hey, Brian, sorry about that. I'm back. Hey, you, you feeling ready? I think so. You know, I, I did the usual prep. Uh, I ran through some practice interview questions, ironed out my tie. Uh, I threw my dog into the neighbor's swimming pool for good luck. And then, uh, yeah, and then I you know, did some more questions. So I think I should be all set. <laughs> yeah. Success comes with sacrifice, man. It really does. It really does. You got to pay the price. <laughs> <laughs> One dog. Yeah, it <laughs> seems like a fair trade. <laughs> Uh, so this movie opens with a young girl in the 90s who wakes up in the middle of the night and sees a toy boat that belongs to her brother floating in their backyard swimming pool. She goes out there to retrieve it and gets sucked into the water, or kind of pushed into the water by an unseen force. And then while she's in the water, something drags her underneath and uh, we don't see, and she disappears. What did you think of this opening? Um, Nothing to write home about, I guess. It was pretty much exactly what I was expecting. How about you? I was writing home, man. I thought this was a great opening. I, I, I thought that was great, like, suspense built. Uh, the visual of the pool looks really cool. And I think anytime a film takes a kid as its, like, first victim in, like, the opening like this, it's just like, whoa, this movie, like, means business. It's not holding back. And for a second, I thought this might have been PG-13. Was it PG-13? It was PG-13, oh, God, buddy. really? You fucking love them. <laughs> Oh man, I thought because it killed a kid in the beginning, it would, it would be for sure an R film. But damn. I could tell just by the, the the subtle comments we were making on the top half of this show, Ashwin likes this movie more than I do. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So here we go. Yeah, yeah, this should be a fun episode. Uh, but yeah, you, you, you weren't into the suspense that like it, it just felt very predictable to you. It just felt pretty predictable. Yeah, and then uh, yeah. Yeah, I, nothing, nothing special. <laughs> nothing special. I, I feel like I, after I got out of this movie, I was just like, how do I come up with anything to say? Because I have <laughs> nothing to say about uh, this movie. All right, don't worry. I got a bunch for you. <laughs> all right, good, good. <laughs> uh, so then we jump to present day where we meet our main characters, the Waller family. So the dad, Ray, he used to be a major league baseball player, but after coming or having uh, multiple sclerosis set in, He's had to take a break and rebuild his strength. That's led him and his wife Eve to relocate with their two kids. So now they're buying this house that's got the pool that we saw in the beginning. And they find out that the pool actually contains well water, which is quite rare apparently. And uh, then suddenly some interesting things begin to happen after they move in. Uh, Ray suddenly starts to recover rapidly from his multiple sclerosis and is able to smash baseballs better than before. Uh, the rest of the family isn't so lucky. Eve, one evening, is swimming, and while she's swimming, she sees a figure standing by the pool. Their son, he goes diving for quarters, and he's called out to by the this girl that we saw in the beginning that went missing, who is, like, hiding in the pool filter. Uh, but then the son gets attacked by this ghostly figure, and their daughter is playing Marco Polo with a friend in the pool and suddenly finds herself pulled underwater into this whole abyss and struggles to escape the pool but somehow manages to uh so what do you think of the these characters that we're getting grounded in and uh these first few scares i just don't think we're getting that grounded in them i think 
I think everything is just so paper thin and basic. We don't really, I don't really feel like we got to know the characters all that well. We understood some very basic things about them. We obviously learned the most about the dad, Ray Waller, who was a professional baseball player for the Milwaukee Brewers. It gets weirdly specific with him. Like, (laughs) There's some weirdly specific stuff like, He was a professional baseball player. He played for the Brewers, and now they have moved to the Twin Cities. Right. Where there are mountains in the background, apparently. Oh, this wasn't actually uh, Minnesota? No, it was shot in in California. Oh, okay, okay. But, yeah, I just don't feel like I really know the family or know how they interact with each other. It just feels really kind of hollow. And... You just described like the first 45 minutes of the movie in a few sentences. And I know that's what a plot summary is, but <laughs> there's not much you left out. Like, yeah, that's just, that's it. I thought it was kind of cool when the boy got attacked by the little girl who was in the pool. Mm. It was like her hair that reached out and grabbed him. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. That was yeah. kind of neat. Yeah, that was really cool. Uh, I'm surprised at the critique on the the family dynamics of their personalities because I actually thought they did go out of their way to develop these characters and the relationships between Ray and Eve. Like I, I thought it's such a cool backstory, like this guy who's struggling with uh, giving up like the thing he's passionate for because of his health and like not wanting to be in a condo and going for a house because it felt like a uh, like a hospital. Like I, I think they were throwing in like some things which made them feel very very like vulnerable or made you kind of feel for them and then the dynamic i thought between eve and ray like she is like a pretty strong character and like really moving into like yeah your career is kind of past and now like i'm kind of like the breadwinner here and i'm like you know very active in putting this house together and stuff so she really emerges as like a really strong character that he's leaning on uh, and I also thought the dynamic between him and the kids, like one thing that's set up is like uh, the, the the younger son has like, uh, I, don't, I don't know if he's just like, uh, you know, underdeveloped for his age or something like hasn't his growth, growth spurt. So it's, it's kind of like a, a sore spot for him. And uh, I, I think that the way they played to that was cool. So I just thought there were a lot of like nuances in these characters uh, that built them out more than like a typical horror film. I feel like the nuances were pointed to and were there in the script, but they just Something about the direction and the performances just didn't make them feel real. It was like some of this stuff was there on paper. Mm. Um, and the mom at one point even is listening to, you can hear a background video about if you have a deeply feeling kid, which is like a thing in parenting psychology, I think maybe coined by a woman named Dr. Becky. If not coined by her, she's she's big on it. And she's like a parenting influencer so that is there to let us know like the kid is having a hard time maybe or is just a very sensitive boy is that why she's like no one would get that and it's buried in the background the only reason i know about it is because like i'm familiar with dr becky oh and i thought thought she was listening to it because she was like going for her phd or something remember and or like she was like trying to get some kind of training. That's true. She was going back to, what was she getting her PhD for? Did it have to do with kids? I imagine, uh, yeah. And that one woman's like, oh, it's never too late to give up on your dreams. So right, right. Okay, so maybe it was, was just for her own education then. Yeah, it might have been. Kind of judging her for <laughs> listening to her. No, I'm not judging her. I just <laughs> yeah. thought it was a, uh, I mean, yeah. I, I listened to Dr. Becky too. So, but oh, I thought it was like maybe- 
a hint to let us know that her her kid was really sensitive ah. and that they were trying to develop the kid that way because yeah. he's not developed that much to me at all he just like has a grumpy look when his dad hits a home run like <laughs> which i don't really know why I, yeah. I think basically like the family wants dad to like be dad now and he still wants to be a baseball player yeah and which you is... talk about her being the breadwinner which is where things get weird to me that they're so oddly specific about his baseball career I don't know that much about it, but I would think at his age, he seemed like he was late 30s and had a pretty successful run. Mm-hmm. He probably made a decent amount of money. So You would think so. Yeah. You know, you never know how people spend money. And when you've got a medical situation, shit can go to hell right. real fast. But right. it, it felt like they were, yeah, she's going back to work as an administrator in an office. Yeah. It, it just felt a little like, hmm. It, yeah. Well, it, it seems the, like they should be able to afford. They're talking about renting, like right. An ex-professional baseball player should be able to afford a home in the Twin Cities by the time he's reached the age of thirty-eight. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is the Brewsters. I don't know. Is that a really big team, or like, are they pretty out there? Like, pretty... <laughs> the Punky Brewsters. <laughs> yeah. The the Brewers. The Milwaukee oh, the Brewers. Brewers. Oh, oh yeah. Are they are they like a legit like big team? I mean, they're. They're not like a powerhouse, but yeah, they're you know they're a team with a, a popular team with a fandom, and they they're good sometimes. They lead sure. their division. They're better than the Twins. So okay, okay. Is this why you don't like the movie? Because you're a big Twins fan? <laughs> no, I just like <laughs> some of the stuff is just kind of hard to relate to. I, I feel like if you're trying to make a relatable character, this specific like man at the end of his professional baseball career is kind of hard to relate mm. to and then i just the kids especially didn't the daughter like w- what was she like what did she yeah. enjoy right right boys like <laughs> she was paper thin <laughs> yeah and i know it's not about she... her but i just felt like everyone was in their own movie to me mm, interesting with their own know, scenes I... and it didn't really yeah they didn't connect as a family to me yeah, I, I I thought even uh, Ray had, had like a because there, there were a lot of like pep talks between the two of them and like you could tell she was like she wanted to, them to put down roots and like this was like finally a chance for them to do so. So yeah, I I, I hear I, I can see both sides of it. Yeah, they're thin, but also I I just feel like compared to most horror films, we're at least getting like some motivations on at least three of the family members. Like one is j- trying to like to step into this role now and be the caregiver for the family. The other is like struggling with the loss of his career, and then a kid who's like trying to win the affection of his father. Uh, that's that's like uh, you usually don't have like that many motivations in place. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that w- your argument is making me realize. Okay. Like, I guess the movie did a lot. I just think that they did like one little thing for each character to point us towards those things, mm, and it just. Yeah. I don't know. I just didn't feel it, and it's hard to articulate why. I think sure. it was a matter of chemistry and direction and stuff like that. And the yep. script wasn't great to me, but to your to your the credit of your argument, you know, the elements are there for them to each have a, a bit mo- of a fleshed outness. Yeah, yeah. They just uh, don't feel real to me. Sure. What did you think of? Uh, so you like the scare with the with the kid in the pool and the, and the girl's hair. That was that was fun. Actually, uh, I thought uh, I thought all the scares were really good here. Like I thought the the uh, Eve when she was swimming and sees like a figure uh, outside the pool or like the Marco Polo game. Uh, I I, I kind of liked those. What, what did you think? 
I didn't find them particularly scary. I, I think the my favorite scares were when they saw someone outside the pool. And I thought there was more potential to do that more often. And that's some of the creepiest stuff in the short. Yeah. But then it just felt like sometimes we'd suddenly see a ghoul behind them. And it was just so quickly shown. But it was also like, it was kind of like if you're going to show it, maybe let's get a little better look at it. Or don't show it at all. I know that's not my critique of most horror movies, but it was just so fast. And it was like this mysterious haunting, but then you've got this like swamp creature thing. Like, yeah. what is that? And why is it there? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, there wasn't much explanation. <laughs> what does it even look like? It's just this shadowy, like swampy lump. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. They're very like a... Uh... Uh, yeah, always like in the background, you really get a good view on anyone. It sometimes looks like there's like a person sitting outside the pool, but then yeah, they pick their head up and that person's gone. Uh, yeah, so and yeah, that I shadowy. like when it's just like a shrouded from view, like deliberately. But yeah, though some of the shots of the like monster felt just um, not vague in a good way. More like okay, I think we're supposed to be getting a look at the monster now, but like I can't quite see it, and yeah. it's but its whole like silhouette is there and I can tell it's got like chunky blobby muddy <laughs> texture to it. And, I don't yeah. know. Something about it just didn't work. Yeah. I think that was one thing uh, that I was getting excited about. I, I thought like, we're, cool, we're going to see some awesome monsters in a while because like we're getting these like quick glimpses and it's like, oh, I can't wait to see them kind of like uh, come to life and them, them face off with it. But yeah, I started picturing the uh, ghouls from Creep Show when they like come back out of the ocean. Oh yeah, right. Um, but we never got that. Yeah, and it's just it's weird. I, I think that I love the mystery of just a, a person's silhouette, but then when you go beyond that, it kind of felt like we needed to pay the piper at some point. But sure, yeah. There's also stills from the movie that show the ghoul. And I was like, I feel like I didn't see that in oh. the movie. Maybe it was just so fast and so dark that mm-hmm. it was shown and I just didn't register it. Yeah, damn. That's kind of like a cop-out. Uh, it's almost like they didn't want to like design the monster, like go too far into it that. It felt a little bit like a cop-out, but yeah. I'd be interested to hear what other people think about that specific element. Yeah, a good point. Uh, so I think things come to a climax when the family throws a pool party, and during this pool party... Ray is suddenly possessed by some black ooze from under the water, causing him to almost drown this other kid. After this, Ray becomes very sick when they try to leave the house, and Eve hunts down the previous owner of the pool to ask how she can save Ray. The previous owner of the pool reveals that the pool is a, is like this wishing well, but you have to make a sacrifice to it, and this woman reveals that she had sacrificed her daughter back in the 90s in that opening scene so that her son would grow up healthy. I felt like the movie totally like switched gears here suddenly. What, what, what did you think? It's weird to have this mythology behind the pool where it grants you wishes, but you have to sacrifice something to it. It felt very much like a Tales from the Crypt episode or a Creep Show segment or an Are You Afraid of the Dark something. Sure. It just, I just didn't love it. I, I don't, that's simple as that. I, I don't like that. It, it eliminates some mystery Mm-hmm. And just creates a weird dynamic. But I did like when this woman kind of started oozing black yeah. liquid and kind of cackling at at our main character here. So that, yeah, was, that was a cool scare. 
I thought that was a cool scene. Yeah, that looks really neat. Uh, I agree, because I, I think so far we've been building this up to like a ghost or monster story, and suddenly you're finding out that uh, it's just more about um, a pool that you have to like, kind of make sacrifices to. Uh, so yeah, th- this this was a little uh, d- uh, disappointing. <laughs> yeah, and then she kind of does some internet research, and she sees like, oh, there's other people that have lived here, and we just get some quick images of people that have lived there before, don't mm-hmm. know anything about them. And yeah. it just felt like, oh man, we're just like hitting this trope because we we need to for the structure of a haunted house movie, I guess. Got to do the research. Yeah. And yeah. that felt frustrating too. Because we, it's similar to the monster. It's like, I would prefer to know less or know more. And you gave me the <laughs> amount of knowledge that was just perfectly in that annoying spot in between. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. <laughs> That's a hard spot to be in. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I hear you. That uh, kind of underdeveloped here and, and pushed into a new territory here that isn't really f- well fleshed out. Uh, but Eve, at this point now, rushes back home and finds that the pool has sucked in her son and is holding him underwater. And Ray has now become fully possessed and is running after their daughter. So Eve is able to find her son in the deep water and with the help of the ghost from the beginning... Uh, of that of that girl that got uh, drowned in the beginning, uh, is able to rescue her son and bring him back up to the surface, and, and he's okay. And then the daughter hits Ray with a bat a few times, and he throws up some black stuff, similar to Babadook, right? Yeah, very similar. Yeah. And Ray comes back to his senses, but the pool somehow still has uh, a possession on their son, so Ray decides he's got to sacrifice himself to the pool in order to save the family. So he does that. He walks into the pool, and the movie ends with the family having the pool filled with concrete. What did you think of this ending? Did it feel uh, emotional to you? Oh, man. It was just sucked dry of any emotion. Really? I wasn't on board with the characters in the first place, though, so I'm interested to hear what you think. Did you feel like that was a big moment when he decided to step into the pool? I think so. And then and then like it cuts to like uh, home videos of him like kind of talking to his kids and yeah, to me it really hit that uh thing about this this guy was just a father trying to uh do right by his kids and try to get back in his career and he kind of went too far into it and uh, at the end of the day like he came to his senses and and gave himself up. So I I thought that was a cool message there. A nice feel good moment. What so. was that video for? <laughs> it was just like, "Hey kids, <laughs> I like baseball. I'm no good at the family stuff." Okay, bye. (laughs) Why did he make it? What was he trying to even tell them? You don't record Uh, videos like this every day? (laughs) (laughs) No. And especially not like on an old school camcorder when they had iPhones. I was thinking maybe this is in the past, but characters have iPhones. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That was a pretty old school uh, throwback there. I don't, I don't know why, why he was doing that. I think it was just him admitting that, like, uh, and I think the whole theme of the movie is, like, he's not that great of a father and he's more about himself and a baseball player. Uh, they didn't show us that he was a bad father. They told us. And that, hmm. I think, maybe is part of the reason I'm frustrated by the characters and who they are. Like, I didn't see the type of people they are. I was told the type hmm. of people they were. And I think that's why I didn't connect. And then when he walks into the pool at the end, it just didn't feel all that dramatic to me. He was just like, hey, I know what I have to do. And they're like, no, dad, don't. <laughs> and then he was <laughs> yeah. gone and dead. And he just disappeared, yeah. And then they cut to them like filling in the pool yeah. and just like chit-chatting. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I wonder yeah. what wish was granted by him oh, going in there. 
That's a good point. Uh, when you say it was told to us he was a bad dad, I actually do think it was shown uh, between the relationship between him and his son. Uh, there was the quarter uh, thing, like, uh, you know, his, his son was asking him to, like, come to the water with him to, like, play that quarter diving game. And he's like, oh, here, he just, like, drew, drew him one because he was too busy with baseball to go spend time with his kid in the water. And then uh, the second thing was uh, how he treated his son when they were all playing baseball together on at the pit. Uh, he was like, I don't know, he wasn't like as encouraging as he was to, like the other kids who were like hitting the ball well. So I think we saw some glimpses of like where he might be more into himself and baseball than like raising his son to feel like confident. At the pit. Do you think at the pit is a baseball term? Yeah. Isn't, isn't that where you play baseball in the pit? <laughs> where do you play baseball? I, I don't know. <laughs> a baseball field? Uh, yeah, yeah. But you know, when you're in it, you're in the pit. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I thought you watched baseball. I feel like you should know this stuff. I, I do. You know, I I actually, to be honest, don't really watch it that much. I listen on the radio because uh, I that explains can't it. watch the Twins because of stupidity and the way the cable is structured. <laughs> but uh, oh. never, I don't think I've, I'm new to baseball, but I don't, you know, maybe in the pit is a thing. Yeah, it is. You can okay. start telling people about it. They'll agree with you. But yeah, there's you think... dugout. There's a bullpen. These are yeah. similar to pits. They are <laughs> very similar vibes. There's a mound. It's, it's part... Yeah, there's mound, the mound is kind of the opposite of a pit. What do you call it where the batter stands? Batter's box. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Plate. What about where the catcher sits? He's in the pit. The catcher's in the pit, right? Huh. I've never heard that before. Okay, because it's kind of lower. To where the batter is, so I feel well, like they're both like a, on on flat ground. He's but, just but because he's he's like squatting. It's kind of kind of like how you would in a pit. Sure, <laughs> yeah. right. If you're, you're pooping in a pit, yeah, just gonna squat there. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, you don't think these were like signs of like his fatherhoodness? They're so <laughs> they just kind of float right by me. I don't know. Maybe I just didn't digest the things I was supposed to digest. I don't think many people did because it has such poor reviews and user ratings. But to me, uh, if you interrupt your dad's workout and he's like, here, I'll, I'll, I drew you like a thing. I'll, I'll be there in a sec. Not playing the game immediately with your kid doesn't really tell me he has a history of being a bad father. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just wanted to finish the workout. Uh Oh, but like letting your kid go in the water without like a supervision. I guess that's like it would have been one thing mm. like, hey, wait. Yeah, that's ready. true. Okay, good point. That w- that's Cause, that's bad parenting. Yeah, because the mother's like, you can't go in there unless your dad goes with you. And then right. you're just like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll be there in a bit. Go for it. Sure. Uh, yeah, he definitely brushed him off there. Yeah, which, which you know, I, I liked because uh, other movies where we see bad parents uh they are can they can be pretty over the top and this was like it felt like pretty subtle but they were like slight like micro uh things um but did you get did you draw a lot of parallels between his character and like a jack torrance yeah for sure especially once they become possessed and they then everyone's scared of their own dad yeah right and who, who do you think did it better oh my god <laughs> i don't i i <laughs> I don't dislike Wyatt Russell as an actor, but this was a very vanilla performance. Yeah, from his part, yeah. And I just, I feel like the people in the movie sensed the vanilla-ness of the whole thing. Of like the scripts and dialogue and everything. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, another weird thing I wanted to point out, how strange was it that he would 
Ray would ask a child he does not know to get on his shoulders and chicken fight in the pool. Like, yeah, <laughs> you don't really ask someone else's kid to climb onto your shoulders for a chicken right? fight. Is that right? I've never played that game, so it's only like uh, you can only do it with your own kid. I mean, you generally wouldn't touch another child while he's in his bathing suit. <laughs> yeah, that seems problematic. Yeah, right. Mm. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, but I, I think that's just like how in his head he was uh, about like being this awesome like ML. Yeah, but the baseball player from the sure. pit and stuff. You know. All right. Like, yeah, let's. Just, I like, want to compete. Yeah. Yeah, I, I want to like, get back in the pit. Yeah, I'm signing <laughs> this kid's baseball. I'm like, I'm awesome. I can take any kid in the water I want. That kind of thing. So, yeah, it, to, to me, and, and I think that was another sign of him, like, kind of forgetting his kid is inside and, like, uh, in his room uh, videotaping everyone in the, at the party. How weird is that? That was also weird. What yeah. Was, and there's a lot of things like that where I'm just like, what's going on over there? Like, yeah. <laughs> why is that kid into videotaping? And then why does this girl have a boyfriend who we never really see again other just so she can have a Marco Polo scene. Like, yeah, he but never comes back around. Like, yeah. And like, we find out like he's, he's like, uh, he, I think he wears a cross and like they make a, a comment about like he's Christian or something, uh, which like has nothing to do with the movie. Right. No, no. Yeah. It's just, a, it just felt like the movie is a short film stretched into a feature length. So many movies are, but you could feel the effort to stretch a short film into a feature-length film here. Like You think so? I, f- I think so. Yeah, I'm of two minds there, because if you do that, then you wouldn't have... If, if you just took a short film and, like, we got to make this into a two-hour film, you wouldn't have, like, a bunch of uh, random details. This felt like uh, these characters were, like, built out a, a bit more than what they needed to be built out to, which, which yeah, felt like someone took the effort to kind of make like a family story around it and, and make like uh, these relationships make sense together. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't, I just don't feel the connection with the, it, each character. It feels like they never interact in a truly meaningful way aside from like a couple of moments. Mm, but yeah, I mean, yeah. you, you bring up good examples. You're defending the arg- your argument as well as you could. And you might be right. I just, I didn't, emotionally connect to the facts that you're telling me. I mean, you're telling me things that are actual events that happened in the movie that are meant to flesh out the relationships, but they just, uh, they didn't connect with me on an emotional level, I guess. Yeah, I I could see that. I don't think they played it too well for emotionals. Um, You know, one thing, uh, I feel like this film is very similar to Lights Out in its structure. Like, wasn't Lights Out uh, a short film that got turned into a movie? It was, yeah. You feel like that one was done better than this? I do, very much so, yeah. Okay. And you f- also, I mean, the movie just isn't, this isn't a scary movie to me. I mean, there are some suspenseful moments and a couple of cool moments, like the hair and the the woman who used to live in the house, but yep. Lights Out is scary. Oh, yeah. And yeah, it's the, a better structure as well. Yeah, yeah. I better think, ending. I think so. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, okay, so overall, yeah, what were your thoughts of this film? What worked? What didn't work? I, I, what did work? I think that what really made me down on it was the ending. Like the whole time I was kind of thinking this is an average movie, but once we realized the kid, the pool wouldn't let the kid leave for some weird mythology about the pool. We don't really know anything about. And the dad just like casually walks in with 
just what felt like zero drama. And then they just are chit-chatting as the machine <laughs> fills in the pool. I, yeah, it just felt so devoid of impact. I, yeah. I just couldn't find any commo- emotional catharsis throughout the whole thing. I feel like you're, you're underplaying two things there. The first is when, when he goes into the water, uh, he like they're like, Dad, don't go. And he turns around and says, like, uh, don't look back. Uh, and like makes him turn around and then he walks into the water. I thought that was like a, a really like scary thing to say. Like, hey, don't don't turn around. And, like, don't look, don't look at what's gonna happen. Uh, I, I thought those those were pretty like felt like appropriately climatic thing to say. If, if the whole thing is like, the whole story is like hinged upon him wrestling with the fact that like all I want to do is baseball, but I have this family that I love and. I should be here for them. And this is him making the ultimate sacrifice to be there for them. Like ruin, not only ruining his baseball career, but taking his own life so that they can live on. Mm-hmm. And the most he can think to say is don't look back. Like <laughs> could, I love you could have been nice or yeah. a video that said that. Why the hell does the video just say like, I don't remember it exactly what it said, but my takeaway was like, Hey kids, I like baseball. The other stuff has kind of always come more challenging to me. Yeah. See you later. (laughs) Just like he is such a shitty character. Not shitty as a person, but Mm. he just feels so haphazardly drawn as a character. Sure, sure. Uh, And and such a a specific baseball player (laughs) who wants to get back into baseball. When he's at an age where most baseball players' careers are over. Do retire, yeah. Yeah. such a specific thing to choose I, I, yeah, I wish they I, hadn't I, gone that route with it sure <laughs> I thought you were going to love that part uh, being the baseball lover you are really all you needed was him to be sick yeah right you didn't need the baseball part I don't know because that gave him the motivation uh, to, to me it felt relatable like here's a, a guy who's like lost his dream and like it's the, ba- the, the balance between how much to chase his dream versus how much to like settle into fatherhood and like be a, a good dad and that felt like the conflict throughout the whole movie and at the end he realizes like what he has to do yeah i i again i feel like it had been better if he was like a triple a player who's like on the cusp of success it's just, mm. oh, he okay. just he had his career it was like basically over yeah i don't yeah. i'm making a lot of assumptions but i think the mom said she was 22 when she had the girl who presumably is like 15 or 16 that would put him at about 37 or 38 yeah and that's about you know you're about time. washed up as a baseball player around that yeah. age. Sure, sure. That makes sense. Um, oh, the second thing I wanted to bring up on uh, the part where they're filling, like the last scene where they're filling up the pool, I feel like that plays out kind of like a, a burial almost because uh, they're remembering him. They're saying like, this is what dad would have wanted. So I, I did feel like there was like a little bit of a emotion going on there where like the three of them are contemplating whether they should leave the home or they should stay and like protect it. And they're kind of remembering their father as they're doing so. Uh, you didn't think that was like an emotional part? No. Did you see any real emotion on any of their faces as <laughs> they were discussing it? No, but like, it was like, they were like <laughs> standing around a parking lot on their lunch break at work or something. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't see a tear shed. I think uh, it's the way the performances are directed. That really is why I couldn't connect to the movie. Okay, yeah, it's sucking the emotion from it. Yeah, I got you. Um, cool. Any other uh, strengths or weaknesses to call out? Hmm. Yeah, I I think the final 
that third act was just so hasty. That, that's my biggest weakness to call out. The cinematography yeah. is nothing horrible, but nothing great. There were a lot of underwater shots. I just feel like the short, the short film managed to have more style than the feature film, like in terms yeah. of finding fear within and without of the water. Yeah, right, right. Uh, I mean, it's so much easier to make a good short film, though. Like, uh, you want to sh- make a two-hour feature-length film or something, you got to build out characters and uh, create relationships, build moments of suspense. And I don't know, did you feel like it got repetitive at all uh, with, like, the scares? A little bit, yeah. I mean, very much so. It's funny because, like, there's, yeah, that thing we were talking about earlier. Could you take a haunted house film, make a slight tweak to the f- to it, like, to the premise... And would that open a bunch of new doors of like how you can approach scares and how you can do conventions a little bit differently? Mm-hmm. And for me, the answer for this movie was like, no, not really. Like you yeah. get pulled under the water or you see people who aren't really there. It's just being pulled into the water that is the new right. element. Not that much is added. Yeah. And it's lights just, lights turn on and off. Lights turn on and off. Isn't it funny in horror movies when lights turn on and off, there's a sound. Oh That's, yeah, it's like they're <laughs> we're meant to believe lights make a sound when they go on and off. <laughs> the biggest one I see is like in a hospital or some sort of institutional building where there's a long hallway and the lights start turning out one by one. Oh yeah, it'll they go click. Like, dum, dum, yeah. Dum, dum. <laughs> I think the empty man had a scene like that. Uh, <laughs> it's like, okay, it's as if somebody is pulling like a giant Frankenstein lever <laughs> like for each light like slamming it down <laughs> gong, gong. your light switches don't do that <laughs> <laughs> they, they do not yeah yeah they were that's what we played up for effects often but that's speaking funny. of that I Jim Orr who is Universal's head of domestic dis- distribution I saw had a quote where he's talking about this movie and he said not only did it perform really well at the box office but it's going to make us look at every swimming pool with a little more trepidation and this, do you think it will for you? I think it will. Yeah, I'm. I'm naturally scared of uh, water and swimming pools, and I think that's one thing this movie captured really well. Which I don't know if it gets enough credit for, but like that feeling of being in the water, vulnerable, exposed, like not knowing how deep you're going to go, or like falling into this abyss of, of the water. Uh, it, it 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 felt it spooked me, man. It, it hit on like a fear that I, I have, and I thought it captured like the way they shot it underwater and everything works really well. But what about you? No, not not really, because they don't really <laughs> capture that fear at all to me of claustrophobia or of drowning. Like, there's a few times, but it's mostly like, is something scary under the water not, is it going to let me above the water in time for me to take a breath? Only in the film's conclusion mm-hmm. did the water feel like endlessly deep. I, I feel think like they probably could have done more with that. I think that also happened during the Marco Polo game, right? She also fell into like that abyss under mm-hmm. the pool. Did she? I thought so. Like she got like way down deep and like uh like yeah, couldn't like find her like found herself in like a different place almost. Okay. And like had to like swim towards like a light or something that that was uh in the distance. I mean, one thing I very well may be guilty of of this movie is kind of if I can't connect to something within the first act or first half of the movie, sometimes I just kind of write off everything else that's happening. So Yeah. Maybe I was just kind of letting stuff whiz by my sure. brain without really digesting it. Yeah, yeah, sure. And uh, the low expectations didn't help much here? No, the the, uh, the low expectations were met. Okay. (laughs) I feel like this, I already forget the movie. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> before we forget too much, should we jump to the score or anything else you want to mention? Let's let's jump to it. Do you have any more you want to say on strengths? I feel like it's just me complaining this whole episode. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I've uh, I tried to defend uh, in the areas that I think you may be uh, harsh on it, but I, I can kind of see both uh, views and opinions here. And uh, yeah, there's something to if you're not, not uh, sucked in in the beginning, I could see like the rest of it not playing it. I, I think what brought me in in the beginning is I, I did think they were like pretty vulnerable characters in like a unique position of like recovering from health, trying to settle down in this new place, each like dealing with their own personal battles. Uh, I thought that really grounded me in and took me for the ride, but it sounds like yeah, you missed the, the boat on that one. I mean, yeah, I, I wasn't in the pit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see if you're going to be like, yeah, I really did like this and give it like between a three and a four <laughs> or be like two and a half and I was just defending yeah. it because you because you're being a dick about it <laughs> <laughs> anyway give me a scale and we'll get to that part all right how many uh black tears coming out of a mother's eyes would you give this one i give it two black tears coming out of a mother's eyes i think its biggest crime is that it is utterly bland it takes the played out conventions of haunted house films and simply moves them to the backyard pool <laughs> uninteresting characters and a threadbare story make it painfully obvious that this was a short film stretched too thin across a feature length runtime wow okay damn what's, that's harsh what's your number uh i'm going three black tears coming out of a mother's eyes uh i i think yeah i i don't know if i i was gonna say i agree with you but I, i'm not sure i because I, I, I think there were actually some great scares throughout this whole film the pacing was really good i thought they built suspense throughout and they made the water look really uh effectively like scary and I thought the characters were more interesting than they needed to be. And the relationships were more fleshed out than I would have expected for a film like this. Uh, but I definitely agree. Like the, the last act, the third act of this film is so weak. So I feel like this is two thirds of a good movie. Uh, and then that last act, like where they, after the pool party, like it just kind of uh, becomes a little bit of nonsense. So I did the math and like two thirds is 66%. So I think that's three out of five, right? <laughs> Wait, two thirds is sixty six percent. Where are you getting two thirds? You added our scores together. Oh uh, no, I was saying that it's two thirds of a good movie. Oh, two thirds of a good movie. Yeah, yeah. So that that's how I landed on the three out of five. Okay, yeah. Interesting <laughs> math. We didn't yeah. even really talk about that much the scenes where he's possessed and kind of. Oh yeah. Stalking the daughter. Um, yeah. What did you think of that? It wasn't very scary. He. Okay. Wyatt Russell. Love him or hate him or. Th- not know what to think about him he's not a scary presence <laughs> yeah yeah that part kind of fell flat i w- one sequence i thought that was really cool though and that is uh the glass of water that like fell onto the ground and like we like know like it's gonna fuck someone up later it's kind of like the nail in a quiet place oh where, like sure. you just know someone's gonna and, and then like it happens it, it like stabs her through the hand or something right right I, I like when movies do that they set something up and then come back to it and you're, you're kind of like thinking about it still yeah. 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 But it, also kind of silly, the water could like move a glass. Yeah, <laughs> I, know. I know. And it's not like the equivalent of like a foot going through a nail. It's just like, okay, she's got some glass in her hand. Not yeah. fun at all, but yeah, it didn't feel that climactic. Sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, great. Anything else uh, you want to add? That's it. I'm all done with this movie forever. It will vanish from my mind completely by the time we are finished with this episode. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I think most people, it sounds like, are going to agree with you on this one. I, I, I don't think I've seen anyone be a big fan of this film. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see if some defenders crawl out of the woodwork and side with you. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, I agree. It's definitely not like an amazing but, film. And right, probably, right. You, you give it a three nonetheless, which it's not yeah. like you're shouting it from the rooftops that people should go see this. Right, it's right. Uh, but yeah, I'll be interested to see. Uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll figure out about this soon enough. Uh, but yeah, that's going to be it for our discussion on Night Swim. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That'll help other people find our show, and we always welcome the feedback. If you want to join our discussion, you can find our social links on horrormovieclub.com or shoot us an email at podcasts at horrormovieclub.com. We also have a Patreon where you can find some bonus content and episodes. The link to that is on our website. We'll announce next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter in case you want to watch it before the next episode and Instagram. We now have a Discord. Oh, we also have a Discord server where we're chatting up with other listeners. How, how old is this copy that you're <laughs> this looking is really at? Old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know it's like got Twitter. It's got. We, we now have Discord. <laughs> so find us on Discord. Uh, the link to that is on our website. Our logo is by Amy May Popart. You can check her out on Etsy.com and find some cool merchandise for our show. And until next time, if you want to find Brian and correct his opinion on the show, he'll be in the pit of the baseball field. (laughs) (laughs) Finds out who that is. (laughs) I was just thinking the closest thing, you know, when a batter is up next, they say the batter is on deck. Oh. And the batter up after that is in the hole. Oh, are you sure? That's probably about as close as you can come to being in the pit in baseball. Yeah. I'm Googling baseball pit to see if uh, <laughs> you get the Pittsburgh Pirate. What's the pit in baseball? All right, here we go. Let's oh, see. the lowest the point in the standings, the cellar. Wow, I've never heard of that. Like, yeah, man. All right. Yeah, I totally. Uh, yeah, meant that the, the low, that low cellar there. Yeah, <laughs> that's what you meant. That this team was at the bottom <laughs> of their division. Yeah, that's exactly. It's kind of a metaphor. All right, that's that's strange. You dad. win. Ha, 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 ha.